0: Hi, I'm Graydon Gunn.
1: And I'm Margie Zarcone, and we're co-creators of Standby for Places.
0: Before this episode of In the Green Room, we wanted to take a minute to shine the spotlight on a new podcast we're loving.
1: It's called, Why Do We Say That? Created by father-son duo Scott and Liam Kelly, and digs into where popular phrases and sayings come from.
0: And trust us, this podcast is the cat's pajamas.
1: Exactly. Expressions like that.
0: There are lots of fun episodes that dig into phrases like proof is in the pudding and rule of thumb. So head on over and subscribe to Why Do We Say That wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, time for me to head into the green room.
0: Ugh, I'm jealous.
1: Now don't be a green-eyed monster.
0: You're right. Without further ado, here's In the Green Room. Enjoy. Well, Shakespeare had complicated family issues in his.
1: He did have complicated. What? We can
0: all relate to that.
1: We can all relate to that.
0: It's like backstage, but there's no stage. It's the standby Standby for Places Green Room. Welcome to In the Green Room.
1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of In the Green Room. I'm your host, Margie Zarcone, and I am joined today by Patrick Pizzalarusso. Perfect. Which is not an Italian last name, right? (laughs)
0: By any stretch of the word. It is by not. any
1: stretch of the word. No. How many letters is that?
0: Twelve. Wow. Yeah. Because it fills up, uh, whenever you have to fill out an official form, they only give you twelve for your last name.
1: That was my 12. next question. Yeah. yeah. I, I take up all. question. Time. Yeah. You are playing a plethora of characters in okay. the production of Twelfth Night, directed by Alexander Kopko. Now, you have a uh, breadth of experience in -hmm. Shakespeare. Have you ever done anything like this where it's just the voice?
0: Uh, not for Shakespeare. Um, I've, I've played around on my own with, uh, with sonnets and just trying to, just for my, (laughs) for fun, (laughs) 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 you know, why not, uh, just to hear how I sound and, and think along those lines, but I've never recorded anything along the lines of audio drama with Shakespeare. Um, I, I've done uh, other things, uh, more contemporary stuff, but never anything classical, especially Shakespeare, which is, I think, has some unique challenges when you're recording like this.
1: What are some of the challenges?
0: Well, for me, my background is a very physical background, um, and and when we when I was learning Shakespeare, when we were training, uh, Shakespeare is a very physical type of. Um, Writing Yes, everybody says, oh, everything's in the text. All your clues are in the text. Correct, all your clues are in the text. And that sight gag is in the text too, which you cannot translate obviously to, to audio. So, so it comes with those types of challenges. And I think uh, Alexandra did an amazing job of layering audio so that we could hear, okay, there's, there is something going on. But there's only a gag in Twelfth Night where they're all up in it. I, it depends on how it's staged sometimes they're all up in a tree or in a bush. And it's really funny to see these faces sticking out. You've got Sir Toby, you've got uh, Valentine, you have um, me. And, uh, and it's, it's just a really fun moment where Malvolio was reading the, the letter and you missed that with this. So now it's just all up to the actors' voices, which is great. Um, it's just a, a level of challenge that's sort of layered on top of how do I make this even more engaging? Because you just can't see that.
1: So we lost the physicality, which Mm -hmm. obviously is a bummer, but sometimes it it does leave the room for more creative choices and performances. Did you, when you take one aspect of a script or of a play away, it it does leave that room for something else to happen. Sometimes taking something away,
0: something new. Yeah, other things get enhanced. I have to say I was... um, not no. i was very self-conscious with this but i was struggling a little bit because first of all none of us have performed at all in at that point i think when we recorded we were almost a year so i instantly felt how rusty i was just in the language and just speaking words that somebody else has written i'm like oh my mouth doesn't work anymore this is amazing um but once we settled into rehearsal i started to get more more and more comfortable and yeah, once you take the physical away, you're left with just your voice, and then there's so many amazing gymnastic feats that your voice does while playing with these characters. So I feel like that almost takes over when you're just sitting at a chair, <laughs> staring at a microphone.
1: That's so true, and I'm, uh, personally, I'm really glad that you said that you felt a little self-conscious. Oh, man. I I felt the same way. Yeah with different ones that I've been in for standby, and and people are like, well, like, how are you self-conscious? It's not in front of an audience. It's like, right, but you're watching yourself the whole time. Like, that's not, that's not natural.
0: It's not, and it's, and you're not on your feet. I feel like the the natural thing that makes me not self-conscious is being up in front of a whole bunch of people. (laughs) You know, that's not natural for everybody, but that's the world that we live in, and when that aspect was taken away, I'm like, oh, wow. No, I suck. Yeah, no, 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 I suck. I should probably, I should email Alexandra and say, I'm so, so sorry. (laughs) That thought, but maybe that's also the actor thought of we're always not good enough. So that's running through my head of you should probably apologize to her after this (laughs) rehearsal.
1: No, I I totally empathize with that. And I I think it's good when, as actors, when we acknowledge that.
0: Yeah, some of us have, have that voice more than others. Um, but uh, it's just a matter of trying to silence it. And this, this sort of setup where you are, you're also not getting that instant reaction from an audience and you can't feed off of an audience. As much as we are an audience for ourselves when we're recording, Mm -hmm. it's very different than to be on a stage in front of complete strangers that are suddenly going, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm with you. I get what you're saying, you know, so taking that away makes it a huge challenge, um, and everything that I've listened to so far for Standby for Places, it sounds like everyone is overcoming that. So kudos to you.
1: <laughs> no, we're, we're definitely having a lot of fun. And, and uh, we, it's a goal of ours to make sure that everyone feels that this is an open <laughs> place to play, uh, that it's, it's a workshop setting. And none of us had any experience with this. We just wanted to do something.
0: I love it. I absolutely love the energy. We have no idea what's going to happen. Let's just do it. It'll be great, right? It's like Jeffrey Rush's line. We'll stay on Shakespeare from uh, uh, Shakespeare in Love, where he's like, you know, everything will turn out fine. How? It's a mystery. Like, it just will, it'll be fine at the end. It'll turn out great. We're all running around in circles. We have no idea what we're doing. It's going to be awesome.
1: It's true. And, and we are exactly where we need to be. Patrick, uh, we talked about silencing that judge in our head the the actor judge mm-hmm. uh or at least just trying to manage it because realistically that's all we can do no- nothing it, it you'd be a, a sociopath if like it you know if it was completely gone but do you have any insight into what that's like for you when that voice comes up what what do you what do you do what do you try to cultivate
0: ah, it's 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 terrible uh and i I always assume that other artists feel the same way. I think early on, I thought I'm the only one that feels this way. I'd get into a show and you have that voice of, ooh, we just did the first table read and the director is now going, should not have cast him. I don't know what I was thinking.
1: I feel Uh, that way too. I feel that way all the time, yeah. Every time
0: I feel, nope, nope, should not have cast him. And because I judge myself on what I'm hearing or seeing other actors doing. Um, And it's, what you have to do is realize that actor is in a very different place than you are. Um, Let's say, for example, uh, Michael Pemberton, we're going to shout him out because he did a fantastic job as Sir Toby, a wonderful job, he understands the character so well, I heard him, and he's also just does an amazing grumpy old man, he really does, he just grumbles and it sounds fantastic, and one of the first read throughs I went, oh, (laughs) nope nope, I should probably back out because he's got this so well, but he's in a very different place in his life with that character, with his understanding of that character than I do. So I just need to step back and go, great, that's his process. My process is very different and I have to stop judging myself based on where other people are. Um, This one was also unique because I never thought that I would ever be the Sir Andrew type. Um, And I, I think getting rid of the... The camera or, or just doing audio suddenly makes you open to a whole bunch of different other parts than we would traditionally cast a person as based on how they look. Shakespeare comes with an added challenge of the burden of 400 years of people having played his parts. So not only are you judging yourself based on these contemporary things, you're also going, ah, uh, there's a really famous production of it 50 years ago that people still remember um, and still talk about, or, well, I'll know Olivier, or what, whatever it is. Um, uh, you have the weight of the history of his plays also bearing down. <laughs> no pressure for anyone watching this that wants to get to Shakespeare. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But it does come with that and this, this uh, reverence to the words and to the pages and to the characters, too. There's, there's people that come see the shows and will mouth along the lines And if you take liberties with the language, which you really shouldn't do, but sometimes it happens, but they will get angry. So great, now I have to not get this person mad at me because of my take on Hamlet or whatever, whoever.
1: And then the ultimate paradox is that the best work comes out of feeling that you can play with it and not worrying so much. Absolutely. But then you're running the risk (laughs) of what other people might think and am I gonna mess up a line? I was reading recently that um, the amount of people purchasing Shakespeare's plays has spiked during the pandemic and I think it all kind of stems back to this one article that said, uh, hey Shakespeare wrote King Lear uh, during the plague. Oh I remember that. But then there's the pressure of what if I what if I don't?
0: Yeah. Well, there's the the pressure of uh Shakespeare wrote King Lear during the plague. What are you doing? I'm just sitting in my pajamas eating ice cream watching TV. Should I not be doing that? I should, I should probably make it through the oh, day. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just surviving right now. Um, there's there's the two sides of that. But I love the fact that this pandemic has made people go, oh hey, you know what? Let me let me check out that Shakespeare guy, see what's going on there. Oh, there's some pretty, pretty good stuff there. And Things that also somehow still resonate today.
1: What do you think brings us back to his plays? Uh,
0: even though it was written such a long time ago, there, there's a lot like the, the Greek myths, the Roman myths, any major religion um, that we now consider myths, they're, they're timeless. We all know who Hercules was. We know Ra was the sun god. We know Zeus was probably not the best dad in the world. Um, But they're very timeless stories that we all know, and the characters in Shakespeare's plays are also very timeless. I think it's because they're rooted so much in humanity and who people are and and what we are. Um, We see, there's themes of remorse in Shakespeare. There's themes of revenge. There's people coping with death. There's people coping with life in terrible ways. And even though this is 400 years later, that hasn't changed. We are still dealing with heavy things every single day. That's never gonna go away. And so I think that's one of the main things that people keep coming back to Shakespeare because even though Shakespeare is written in such a way that's not uh, easily understood. Or, conversational. Yeah, conversational. It's obviously not written in our modern vernacular. Um, it, once you start to read it and understand it, like those, those words still translate to what's going on today and those characters are, are people that we know. I, we all know a Falstaff, you we know, we, we all know uh, a Hamlet who is, who is mourning the loss of his entire world, not just his, his dad. Um, we also know people that just fell in love and are running around like idiots in a forest. Um, and and or we've all been there the first time that we're like, oh, I don't know what these feelings are. Uh, and I feel like an idiot, but I'm going to follow that person wherever they go and I'm going to get lost in a forest somewhere. Not that that has ever happened to me, the forest part. Um, but all of these things are things that I feel like we're, as a human race, we all experience at some point in our lives. So I feel like that's why Shakespeare, we keep coming back to it because it's like, the, this is my story. Um, you know, I can go see one of his plays. and am like, oh yeah, that's, that's me up on stage at a certain point in my life.
1: Patrick, who was your favorite character you played in Twelfth Night? Uh,
0: I mean, Sir Andrew, I think is the most fun um, because the other ones are very small and like the small characters, you can, you can just be an idiot and do whatever, because they are such small characters. My um, bread and butter. Love it. Yeah. It's, it's like one uh, and done. I'm good. And I mean, I did enjoy, uh, th- there's one scene where I think I talked to myself for three or four lines because I'm the same character right after it. And so Alexandra emailed me and she's like, it's, it sounds too much like you. Cause you're just speaking a little deeper. Good, good, good choice, Patrick. Well done on that acting choice. Um, so it was fun to just give her a slew of random voices and accents and characters. So that was fun to do. But Sir Andrew was the bigger one, so I got to actually see a character's arc and, and find some new things with him that I hadn't actually found when reading the play uh, on my own throughout the years. There's, there's just little things that I'm like, oh, this is a fun little extra thing that I never thought about before with Sir Andrew, but let's throw that in there. And it, it works. I listened, I just listened to the episode. I'm like, I don't know if somebody listening to it will hear it, but I get my choice and I'm proud of it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I always feel as though I feel very removed from it when I'm reading it alone without hearing anyone else. And then as soon as the first table read happens, I'm like, this is the play, I see. <laughs> and then it's like the real work can happen.
0: Yeah, no, I never even have had that moment of, oh, he's your father. Oh, that changes. And everything. you know
1: it on paper, but you feel it viscerally when yeah. you start hearing other people.
0: Yeah, you need those other voices. I, and there's so many characters in Shakespeare too. Um, uh, I know early on, uh, working on it, I would, when I would read it, I would actually just, like, write on slips of paper the characters' names and then have them in front of me of who's in the scene together, um, as I was reading it, because, otherwise, it's just a wash of just words.
1: It's not a novel. You have to hear it.
0: You absolutely have to hear it. Um, and there's times when we would read it out loud. I remember in school, we would read it, like, okay, great. Congratulations. You all just read Act One, Scene One. Yay. I'm like, yeah, but half the class, and probably myself included, we don't know what we just read, and you're not going to explain it to us? Exactly. (laughs) This is a good lesson.
1: (laughs) Which is why you should listen and subscribe to Stand By (laughs) For Places. Patrick, thank you so, so much for joining me. Of course, it was a pleasure. Yeah, this
0: was so much fun. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course and everyone listening at home thank you for tuning in and if you haven't already please check out Patrick and so many more talented actors in Standby for Places production of Twelfth Night now available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts do you like want to keep people away from you on the subway in New York right you just- side
0: or just start monologuing. Well, no, because people do that already and get annoyed.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: That's a step, just a step away from Showtime on the subway. And I don't know anybody who likes Showtime on the subway.